Howdy friends, welcome to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. Now listen, before we jump into this week's conversation, if you are a UX designer that is having a hard time getting a job or landing an interview or even getting noticed, I made an online course just for you. It's the course I wish I had when I was out there trying to find work. So head over to HiredUX.com, H-I-R-E-D-U-X.com, and there I'm going to teach you the tools, mindset, and process you need to stand out above the crowd and get hired. Now then, with that out of the way, let's get into the interview. On the show today, I have a dear friend of mine, a mentor of mine, actually the executive producer of this very show you're listening to. He's a design strategist, researcher, author, teacher, speaker, and he founded the Big Design Conference, what, like 13 years ago or something like that? Anywho, 15. 15, boom. Yeah. Ladies Who's and counting? gents, that voice is Mr. Brian Sullivan. Thank you so much for coming on. You are welcome, Tony, and great job on the show. I love the show. That's why I support it. Well, thanks, man. This has been a long time coming for this episode, and I couldn't be happier to have you on, obviously to have you as an executive producer, and I would you know, frankly consider you a mentor of mine. Uh, Brian and I worked at Sabre together. He's been at Sabre for longer than I think some of you listening might be alive. What, 20 years or so? 18 years? 21 this August. Holy moly. Saber. Okay. So I was there for a, a short stint comparatively, nine months. <laughs> Compared to anyone, that's short. And it's not because I didn't love it. I actually did. And the funny thing is, is that Brian and I worked together, but we never really worked hand in hand together. I was on Tripcase specifically. But however, I will say this, there is something about you, Brian, that you would always come to my desk, you'd say hi, and it's a big place, and there's a lot of people. You'd say hi, we would have meaningful conversation, you'd be interested in what I was doing in life and in the work, and so I really appreciate that is actually very rare, especially in such a large company like that. Yeah, I think one of the things that I always enjoyed about our conversations is you're someone that reads a lot. I like the saying that you have about, and I'm going to get it wrong, but I think it's having mind, but a teacher's heart. Yeah. Did I get that right? Leading with the heart of a teacher and the mind of a student. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's brilliant. And, and that's something that I think we share in common. We both like to read a lot and it's not just read a lot, whatever we read we try to apply it to our work, which I think is good. We're always experimenting. Mm. And I would say we're always playful. And it's interesting because I could look at you and just see so much of myself. It's mm. almost like, you know, looking in a time machine. This is kind of like a person that I was sort of like this person years ago. So it's kind of like I got to have conversations with myself, if wow. that makes any sense. That really means a lot to me, so thank you very much. I want to move into something. Obviously, top of mind for most people is what's going on right now in the world. And at time of recording right now, 
a lot of companies are going through furlough or layoffs or <laughs> closing shop completely. And, you know, candidly, I guess you are and thousands of others at Sabre are going to be furloughed starting Monday. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So that's like a thing. Yeah, it's not just happening, you know, at Sabre. It's so broad. And I think that a lot of times, you know, when we think of the pandemic, we don't necessarily remember that it's a global pandemic. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. And it's every aspect of daily life, every aspect of really normalcy mm. is gone. And everything is amped up. And as a community leader, I see it when I have my conversations. And I've been having some extremely interesting conversations with people that are just trying to break into user experience design. And they're struggling right now. And I have friends that are working. And they're having to carry a very big load while other people are being furloughed. Mm. And then there are other companies where they've accepted what amounts to, at least in the United States, payroll assistance. Yeah. And there's so many strings attached with that, that they're struggling to figure out, you know, what all of this is going to mean once we get back to, and I'll call it like the next normal and then the new normal. Mm. And the next normal is going to be when we start to open up the economy and people go back to work before a vaccine. And so there's going to be a lot of people that are nervous in the next normal. Then we're going to have a vaccine and then it's going to take a little while to get a bunch of people vaccinated. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll have a new normal with, I think there'll still be people that will be a little bit more cautious when they're in certain settings. People will be washing their hands a lot more and then they'll slowly start to come back together. But I think there'll be like some soft social distancing, even after a vaccine. But I do see us having a next normal and then a new normal over the next couple of years. I think you're completely right. And it is going to not only have businesses had to pivot and change, you know, right now, but moving forward over the next few years and forever, this has changed businesses and changed how we think about things. And it's really been gobsmacking for me. Now, something you said that was really interesting and something I want to dive into on this is um, this. it's hard to stay creative. And I'm very active on Instagram and social media. And I see a lot of people that are being more creative than I've ever seen them. And then there are others that used to be very creative, but have sort of shut down. And I think that there's something in between as well. And one of the things that I just posted was, for a lot of us, quarantine does not equal more time or free time or extra time on your hands. Unless, of course, you're in a situation where you're furloughed. But then again, you know, how do you categorize free time? Where myself, I've never been busier in my entire life. I'm very happy about that. But juggling my wife and I both working with zero childcare, you know, they used to go to preschool. It is really, really hard. Thank God my mom is literally my neighbor. But what do you say about that creativity? How do you keep that lit during this? It's not work from home. That's the other thing. This is not work from home. This is trying to work 
in your house during a global crisis. Right. And I think that, you know, how do you stay creative during a crisis? And it's hard for certain people. I know that for me, I've tried to establish certain routines that allow me to be creative. So I still try to get up at the same time each day. Ah. And even like, so I'm finishing up my last day of work, but I do this silly little habit. So I have a pretty big house and, but rather than go from like my bedroom over to the office where I would work, I go ahead and make a commute out of work. Mm. So I take a 15 minute walk around my neighborhood using proper social distancing guidelines, but that's my commute to work. And that gets my head right so that I can be creative so that I can do the things that I need to do in the evening. When I leave quote unquote work, I go ahead and do the same commute 15, 20 minute walk around my neighborhood so that I kind of can get back into that mode of leaving, you know, work behind. Mm -hmm. And that way I can get into that right frame of mind at home. So some of these like tiny little habits, I think become really important, especially when you're at home. Now, I don't have the same situation that a lot of other people have. My wife is retired and uh, my son does, uh, he moved back in. So we have a college student living with us, don't have little kids, mm -hmm. but we're able to, you know, move about the house and really not see each other except at, at meals. But I think having some creative space is important, having some creative habits. But I would also say connecting during this time is very critical because with the quarantine, you have a certain amount of isolation. And for some people, that type of isolation equates to freedom. Mm. So I'm a an introvert, which to be honest with you, surprises some people because I am very curious and I'm able to talk to people. Same goes, uh, but same goes for me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's my tribe, right? If it's our tribe, it's super easy to have those conversations. So the isolation isn't necessarily as bad, but we still want to connect. And luckily we have all of these tools like Zoom, like Miro or Trello to where we can do a lot of this remote collaboration. Mm -hmm. I think every, all of that gets amped up and we're having to do extreme collaboration now is what I'll call it. And I think that for introverts, it's a little bit easier for us. Not all introverts. Again, I don't want to generalize. We all have different situations. But what I have seen, at least with the people that are a little bit more extroverted, that this type of social distancing and isolation, they're not able to get that energy yeah. from people. And I think it's really hard. And having like a Zoom workshop or mural workshop, you know, it's a lot like, you know, I can look at pictures of the beach all day. It's not the same thing as being mm -hmm. on the beach. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's a filter. And I do think that there are, you know, certain creatives that maybe have that extroverted streak. It's hard for them to maintain a level of creativity 
because their isolation does not equate to freedom. It's almost like jail time or a version of hell for them. So, and so I think that's what's happening, Tony. For those people, you know, you said the commute thing, which I think is really brilliant. Even if you're in a studio apartment or you have roommates or, you know, one bedroom apartment, you can still get up, get out, walk around and then come back to or arrive at your desk at work. I think that's really clever. So what else would you say to those people that are really struggling to stay creative and motivated during this time? What other tactics might there be? So a couple of things. First off, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're all going through this together. Yeah. And whatever you're doing as a creative, whether it's writing, I really fancy myself more of a writer than anything else. Mm. Whether you're writing or painting or prototyping, whatever it is, stay creative and understand that sometimes you're probably going to have to revisit your creativity. That's fine because what happens sometimes when you're creative, what is internalized, it manifests itself in interesting ways in in your writing, in your art, in your prototypes, Mm. in ways that you may not have understood. So the pressure that you're experiencing now might actually turn into something really good and you may not realize it. Like leaning into that pressure. Pardon? Like leaning into the pressure. You know, when I when I was in acting and something bad had happened in in life or whatever it was, they'd be like, use it. (laughs) It's kind of the same, right? You know, you want to sometimes lean into it. What what I say, and again, I'm like much older than you. So I turned 55 here in a few months. For me, at, at my stage in life, when I have something that really scares me, I embrace it. I give it a great big old hug because I know I am about to learn something valuable. There you go. And I am going to stretch and grow in ways that I never knew that I would be able to do. But as we all say, change is hard. And then, you know, when you factor in all of these other things with, you know, what am I going to do about rent or mortgage? What about my family? What about work or school? You know, how do you embrace it? And that can be hard. So uh, as you had mentioned a little bit earlier, so I'm about to be furloughed. And again, my situation's different than other people, but let me explain to you how I'm going to lean into the furlough. I actually welcome it, which I've had people call me up and they'll say, hey man, how are you doing? <laughs> They're really cautious. Mm-hmm. And I go, I'm doing great because I have a lot of stuff that I want to get done. And the greatest gift anybody can give me is time. And with time, there's things that I want to do. So for example, I have a book, Design Studio Method, that was published about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And a, a couple of years ago, my website was hacked and I have never found the time to get my book website back up to date. So the first couple of weeks of furlough, I'm going to get the website done. The second thing that I want to do is I am brainstorming on a second book with Cassini Nazir. Nice. And we're going to start that process over the next three weeks. Uh, He's going to finish up finals at UTD and SMU where he teaches. Third thing that I want to do is I want to take some classes and webinars via LinkedIn Learning and kind of 
learn a little bit more about accessibility, learn a little bit more about some of these remote collaboration methods. Fourth thing that I want to do is I'm taking a class with my wife and son on just financial planning. So, and these are things that have always been, you know, on the bucket list, but I just didn't have time. And so I can kind of lean into the furlough. And it's like you said, you know, if you lean into it, I think I'm going to be busier than I've ever been. And, (laughs) And that I'm not even counting. I want to put big design online. Mm-hmm. And I now have time to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm going to lean into the furlough. I think it's really, I mean, you're very fortunate or rather I should say you've been very smart because after this, I think a lot of people are going to take a really good hard look at how they manage their finances and how they set themselves up for success because can, I, can I talk about that for a moment? Please. Okay. So there are some things that I'm probably about to say that will surprise you. I'm ready. <laughs> so first off, I grew up very poor. This uh, part I know. It, yeah, I grew up very poor and we were on food stamps for a while. We had to have a garden in our backyard and we had to work the garden because that's how we ate. Mm. And my mom and dad firmly believed that education was a way out. And I think we've had a conversation on that. Yeah. When I was 10 years old, my house caught on fire and burned completely to the ground. And I got to see how that devastated my parents. Mm. We rebuilt. And then two years later, burned down again because of faulty construction. Mm. So before I was 12 years old, my house had burned down twice. And so I saw the impact that that had on people. And I know you're going to have listeners that they're wondering, you know, oh my God, how am I going to get through, you know, and pay rent? Where's my next meal coming from? Mm -hmm. I can tell you, honestly, I know exactly how that feels like. Yeah. It's painful. It's scary. What people do with that though, can shape their life. And for me, I ended up having a healthy respect for money. Mm. And I would say everyone in my family did. And it's not that we didn't go out and buy stuff. We did. But I would say we were not materialistic and, you know, making sure that we had the proper savings and making sure that we did some investing and that we had what we need. And so I think that, you know, stuff was not something that we wanted to gather. Stuff kind of weighed us down. Yeah. And a budget allowed us freedom because then we could figure out where is our money going. And when you talk about like design thinking your life, yes, the first thing you should do is create a budget. It's the mm. first thing you should do. But anyway, that's I wanted to let people know because a lot of people, I think, see me as the person I've been maybe the last 10 years and they don't realize that I had very modest beginnings and I had a lot of trauma in my life at a very young age. Yeah. We spoke before about that and the odds of that happening, I can't imagine what that must have been like for your family. And for those listening that their house is metaphorically burning down, you know, their life is (laughs) burning in front of their eyes. 
it may not seem like it. It may literally seem like an impossible climb that we're on right now, but it will get better and it gets better. And you just have to stay super focused and start iterating on your life. You know what? We got heavy there, didn't we, B? <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. That's but good. it's a heavy time, you know. But if you can't throw some lightness in there, sometimes what are you doing, you know? And that's something I respect about you. Oh golly, we could talk for ages. But here's how we're gonna wrap this bad boy up. Okay. First of all, everybody go out and get the Design Studio Method book by Mister Brian Sullivan. And Jay Shu did the artwork for it. He was on the podcast as well. It's great. Check out the Big Design Conference when it does pop up online, if Brian does get that sucker online during his furlough. Oh, I actually have an announcement. Oh, that shoot I us think with that it. you guys would like during this. This has not been announced, so this is brand new. This is a hot take. This is hot. So in talking with the organizers... This year's theme is about, and this was well before the coronavirus came out, it being the year 2020, we didn't want to be snarky mm. and talk about, you know, future vision. Yeah, like everyone's going to be. Which everybody was going to, but we want the opposite route and we wanted to do a building a future legacy, mm. right? So mm. a lot of times we throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? So we wanted to think about building a future legacy. So I have an announcement to make. We are establishing a scholarship fund for Big Design Conference where we will be giving out a $1,000 scholarship for a local college. We haven't really decided which one that we're going to do. We've got the paperwork drawn up. This is a scholarship that is done in perpetuity, meaning that we're going to put a pretty big amount of money down so that it'll be $1,000 forever. So that's how we want to build a lasting wow. legacy. Wow. That is really and, cool. And we're doing it during the coronavirus. Seriously. Who would have thought? Isn't that wild? Honestly, I can't wait to see what comes out of this. If I had to pick one light at the end of the tunnel, and there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, even though it may not seem like it at times, the one light I am so excited about is to see what comes out of it. Because I think it's going to be some of the most extraordinary stuff across industries to date. Like industrial revolution type stuff going on. Oh, absolutely. I think what's happening is that all of the pain points, like really big societal pain points, are really being acutely felt and extremely highlighted right now. And the thing is, is people are motivated to make these changes. And I don't mean like at a political level, I mean really at a local level mm. and people are going to make changes. And so we are going to see, I think, one of the greatest rebounds and revolutions that you've ever seen because you have a convergence of so much technology with pain being acutely felt yeah. and people are motivated. It is going to be a beautiful thing to witness. We just have to get through the current situation and the next normal to get to that new normal. And that new normal is going to be awesome. 
Yeah. What a way to button this up and wrap it up to the beginning, because that is just so true. I am going to finish, though, with the question that I ask every guest, which is, you know, you told your story about the fires and how you were raised. Learning not to be materialistic through tragedy, however, my question is, what non-digital object or thing means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? You know, you asked me this question one other time, and I had told you the story about how my mom had been in a car accident, Mm -hmm. and it was a reinforced windshield on a Ford Mustang convertible. So that was kind of my treasure. I've had a little bit more time to reflect, and that's like one of the most important gifts. I did have a gift that my father received to me or gave to me that I received from my father, and it was a piece of the Berlin Wall. And uh, that's cool. And I have it in my closet, and I'm planning on giving it to my son. So, you know, for my, when I think about, you know, what is the most important object, not to objectify relationships, but the object with my mom, what I remember is the windshield with my dad, it's the Berlin Wall. With my wife, and I think this will resonate with you because I think yours is your wedding ring. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the marriage license. It was actually blessed by John Paul II. No kidding. Yeah. God. That's why I feel like I could talk to you forever is because there's so many little things, little nuggets that come out and you go, no shit. (laughs) Well, and the funny thing about the license being blessed by John Paul II, I had no idea my wife was going to do it, but she had so much profound respect for him. And, you know, I mean, everyone loved the man, really. Years later, we were actually able to visit the John Paul II Center, and we looked at all of the different objects and artifacts that were in that great man's life. And it's quite frankly humbling Mm. to just go over there and witness that. Objects do carry meaning, but, you know, and the meanings differ from person to person, but it's people that matter. Never forget that. Yeah, 100%. It's what makes it interesting when people answer with people. At any rate, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you for being such a supporter of the show, mentor for hundreds, maybe thousands. And man, what an episode. This is great. Thank you again, brother. You're welcome, sir. And you continue to reverse mentor me. I will try my damnedest. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, friends. Now, before you go, I want to remind you about the course I created for all of you UX designers trying to get a job out there. Be sure to check out HiredUX.com. And lastly, I'd like to give a big shout out to my guest and to my Patreon supporters. There's a link in the description to help me out on Patreon if that floats your boat. Anyway, of course, a special shout out to my executive producer, Brian Sullivan. Now, until next week, friends can't wait to have you back. Just stay curious. Experience Design with Tony Dosat is part of XD Media LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers.